0: Hello, I'm Kevin Bachman. Thank you for joining me for this emergency webinar, COVID-19, how to protect your business, people, and clients. My current clients are those that have met me, worked with me over the years, listened to me at PBSA or other webinars, my podcast, Background Check Radio. You know I'm always very upbeat, energetic, and positive. I like to tell a lot of stories and jokes to make people laugh. I use a lot of funny pictures, basically. Just try and be a little lighthearted in a business that's otherwise pretty serious. This really isn't that kind of webinar. Not because I'm so fearful, not because the skies officially crashed to the earth, never to rise again, but because I know the worry, the trepidation, the anxiety that many of you are thinking about right now. I've been working with my clients this past week and sense it in their voices and emails. This is my effort to contribute to our space to those I'm not working with to try and help the same way I'm guiding them. A sober, clear-eyed view of the current state of events and my ideas on how to help. Respect I have for each of you, the challenges you're facing, the questions you have. That's why I'm taking a much different tone here today. This is gonna come in around a half hour and that might be a long time for for some in a time of crisis, but I I think I, I really do that sometimes you just need to spend time to save time. In this case, time, energy, money, risk of making a mistake you can't undo. So please stay with me, break it up, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, share this with your teams, but we're spending that time these days on Facebook, reading about the world around us. I think this is a pretty good use of our time today. Before we jump in, a brief introduction to those hearing me for the first time. I've served in the screening industry for 19 years, a majority of that time working inside of an accredited CRA. Currently, I serve as a consultant to a variety of companies in our space to provide more consistent, compliant, and accurate reports for employers and support services sales teams to improve revenue retention and, and profitability. I also work with uh, employers to create screening programs and partner with CRAs that best fit their needs. It gives me a greater understanding of end user preferences and knowledge levels about their programs in our industry. My point in discussing that is, I, I feel really fortunate to have a 360 degree view of each stakeholder, the relationships, the limitations, the capabilities. It's it's that perspective that lets me address these topics from several different vantage points. I'm also involved within PBSA and have served in different leadership capacities since the association's inception and more than 15 years ago. Currently, I'm a member of the background screening credentialing council, which oversees the accreditation program. I sit on the industry practices committee as well as its steering committee which provides hundreds of background screening companies with guidance on operational and compliance matters. And previously, way back in the day, I co-chaired the inaugural Litigation Avoidance Committee with Pam DeVada. Lastly, I speak often on my podcast, Background Check Radio, which I've created to serve the screening industry. I interview and offer commentary on the best way to run a profitable CRA and serve employers. The next two interviews I'll post is with Les Rosen of Employment Screening Resources and Brian Snow with Wholesale Screening Solutions. So, okay, what will we cover today? What do you say? What do you need to say? Who should you say it to? We'll talk about some how-tos around business plans and forecasting. What does leadership look like? Operational compliance and financial contingencies. And lastly, today's problems create tomorrow's opportunities. And I don't say that last part because I think this will disappear tomorrow, but because I know for a fact some are using this as an opportunity to improve their shop. And there really are opportunities to do that. I'm excited to wrap up today by talking through some of those ideas. Okay, let's call this what it is. We all feel this way. We're all running to the store to buy bread and milk. We're not all, or at least your staff isn't, spending 100% of the time thinking about consumer reports. And that's important, which we'll talk about in a bit. Not because assembling consumer reports is the most important thing on everyone's mind right now, but because we're we're all on in information overload. We're consuming so much from so many different sources, traditional media, social media, friends, family, coworkers. And we're doing it in a time of wild societal uncertainty. And we're doing it not only as business owners, team leaders, executives, but but people, friends, children, parents. It's hitting our personal lives and our professional lives in a way we've never seen before, and it's happening to both sides of us at the exact same time. But there's a lot of leaders on this call, and our teams are looking to us. And to me, that's not the burden it seems. Yes, it it can be burdened some, and there are responsibilities that come with it, but it's one of the few things that we can control right now. This is a defining moment for us and our organizations, but you know what? Not every leader is the best communicator. Leadership, roughly defined, is the actions an individual takes to motivate or push others toward a common goal. Nothing in there about having to be the best talker in the room. If you're listening, but you're not the CEO, you're not off the hook either. Employees turn to a lot of leaders in their company. A department manager overseeing a team, executive overseeing a division, or or the CEO overseeing the entire company. You're still the leader in the eyes of, of some of your team members. But sometimes that means stepping away from the microphone. The connection between leading and communicating is not always the same thing. Let the professionals drive the message. And by professionals, I mean this could be your HR leader taking charge, supplementing information about the company policies, the employee manual, with medical information from a state health department or the CDC. It, it doesn't mean a leader should defer delivering the message, it just means Know your boundaries and that your expertise in some matters is is more limited than others. Employees should absolutely, they need to see your face. They just don't need to hear you deliver 100% of it. Smaller organizations don't have those resources, and and I'm more empathetic to that. I help smaller shops create organizational communications, and, and I understand support or HR staff is a little more limited to assist in those cases. What leaders are great at, in my opinion, is collecting and filtering through seemingly unrelated, unconnected information, distilling it into what will ultimately become a clear, cogent action plan. We'll spend some time talking about that today. What does that look like? What goes into it? What doesn't? We're creating a sum greater than its parts, and we do that by looking, listening, learning with information changing by the day, heck, by the hour sometimes. Lastly, lead with your heart. People are scared, you're scared, and we'll talk more about both of that later. But be generous, be flexible, look for opportunities to serve, to protect. If team members are afraid to walk into the office, don't fire them the day after their last PTO day runs out. We're people first, we're we're employers second. Now, how do we talk to our teams? Show them you're a person too. If you're scared, worried, anxious, it's not weakness, They're not looking to you for all the answers. They're looking to you to reassure them their feelings aren't wrong too. Now, they are in some regard looking to you for business clarity, so tell them what you can tell them. But too rosy a picture can and will backfire. Better to be honest and communicate often. Have a company-wide meeting every two days or so. Even if there's no new info, that touch point shows people you're not hiding out in your office or indifferent to their lives. And back to the emotions and anxiety of your staff, they're more worried from a financial point of view than you, have less power and control than you, and while you may have the weight and worry of the business on your shoulder, which is not nothing, I understand that, know that you can walk out the front door if you want. You don't have to ask for permission. They're worried about asking you for permission, and and they're worried they'll get fired if they do and you tell them not to. Many of you have already made these decisions or had these conversations, but if you haven't, that's what your staff's thinking. And recognize the role your HR or admin team who handles these responsibilities is playing. I follow several HR websites and message boards daily. 95% of these conversations are about COVID-19. That's important to remember, by the way, when we talk about our clients. But first, let's tackle the vendors. Because we, we still have work to do, assembling consumer reports in our system. So we need to engage them too. What are they thinking, doing, feeling? What choices have they made? They may be afraid to ask you, so ask them. Again, we're all in this together. Open, honest, transparent. Let them know you're not gonna fire them if they make a temporary business decision that causes you temporary pain. Don't start slow paying or holding back on their invoices. We'll talk more about that later. Treat them the way you hope your clients are treating you. But there's opportunity. What are they capable of you don't know about? What are they rolling out to support CRAs temporarily that you didn't know unless you ask? What are they capable of that you need them for? But what aren't they capable of at this moment? You know, it's, it's times like this we determine the difference between a partner and a customer, a partner and a supplier. We want our clients to think of us as partners. Let's make sure our suppliers feel the same way. We accomplish more together than a partner. Okay, clients, we've got a lot to cover here, not only because it's important from a client support standpoint, but also from a business continuity standpoint. You have to get in front of it with your clients, and notice I don't say you have to get in front of them, which really isn't possible. I mean, you have to start gleaning insight from them into what their new normal is for the time being. You're gonna hear a lot of I don't knows. You're gonna get a lot of shared commiseration. But it's also important to know this isn't about you right now. It's about them, their feelings, how it impacts them. So you're the friendly shoulder. How can I help? What's your world looking like? But yeah, I also want you to connect with clients to talk about what they think their new normal looks like, because that's going to help you shape your new normal. The long tail is the 40% of your clients that make up 7% of your business. Don't even call them. Include them on your written communications, but don't, don't spend too much time on that. And think of the trends because it's the it's the trends that matter. You'll get a lot of wait and sees for now, but it's something you need to stay on top of. It can change quickly and you need to know when and if it does. I recommend connecting with the clients that make up about 40% of your business this week, 80% next week, and try and ping them every week or so going forward. This will be extremely useful as we'll discuss in the following slides. And again, if 40% of your business is a small number of clients. No need to stop there. You see what I mean when I say tackle the big guys first, but most of your client base within a week and a half or so, but go as deep as you can, as fast as you can. That's fine. So now a few things specific to the background check program. How do we communicate with clients? We can use a variety of mediums. And depending on the client, the methods are different. Some may get each of these. Some may get only web, some may get only email. Your largest client, hit them everywhere. You know, we, we need to update them on their work. They're pending in future background checks. But spoiler alert, alert some of them ain't going to work quite the way they used to. Counties and database searches that run through automated systems, sure. No record clears, yeah, close to normal. But clerk run in New England and upper Michigan, Virginia or South Carolina records that require a call to the courthouse, it's going to be different for a while. I, I used to use the example of the high school diploma search that took longer because Joan, the registrar, had the only key to the file cabinet. and she was on vacation in the Finger Lakes for a week. It's going to be a whole lot longer than that, even for employment verifications that don't run through the work number. I, I'm hearing stories from my CRA clients. They're being advised there's no turnaround time available for VOE. Remember my comment before about Seen message board posts from HR leaders that were 95% COVID-19, yeah, this stuff's gonna wait in line. You know, so let's be honest, let's be open, let's be realistic. Believe it or not, I I think our clients, the HR staff inside their companies right now, they're gonna be pretty accommodating and understanding. It's the world they're living into. So as we take what we've learned from clients, from our teams, from our vendors, we need to start piecing together what the business is gonna look like it's important not to make knee-jerk reactions but we're not forecasting through halloween either what do we think's gonna happen in the next 30 60 90 days that's really as far out as i recommend and i'm working with my clients on too much of a crapshoot to predict what friday's going to look like or what halloween's going to look like we, we just don't know but our questions help determine the course we plot a lot of you are familiar with me uh, telling my story about how I was a reporter before I entered this business. You ask me a question, I'm going to ask you three back before I give you an answer. Same holds true when we talk to clients and when we create these solutions for our business. There's no one size fits all. Every situation's different. Every employer is different. We can't take broad based strokes and solutions to this. We really have to dig in. What's the volume drop and Why? If you have an aviation client, for example, that is crushing. Zero it out. Not really, but take it down 75%. I have a global aviation client for 10 years. I don't need to try hard to guess what they're doing. But Amazon, they're hiring 100,000 people. Grocery stores and the Wegmans, they can't keep anything on the shelves. It's a surge in demand for them, like a run on the bank. Are they making short-term staffing decisions to keep up with their demand? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But strong account reps know and should be able to ask these questions. On the flip side, a lot of HR staffs busy, busy figuring out how to work from home, how to logistically set up the protocols, communications and work schedules to, to implement their, their business continuity plans. My wife is the chief operating officer for a, a pretty well-respected marketing communications company here in Cleveland. This is all she's done since Thursday, remote planning. Uh, remote workforce planning, contingency plans, getting everything up and running. So is a is a client's lack of new orders that, temporary workflow modifications? Or do they cancel the project to build the new office tower? Those are two really different things. And lastly, it's, it's these questions, these insights your account team can generate that are really more important than the three-year running year-over-year analysis you can pull from finance. If we're looking to make decisions, whatever they are, Right now, we should disproportionately overweight the facts on the ground, not the historical trends. So how do we start the model? I recommend creating three scenarios. This is a standard probability distribution, and you can see 68 percent falls within one standard deviation of the mean. I won't launch into a stats class, but essentially says there's a two-thirds chance the actual outcome calls or the actual outcome comes reasonably close to the expected outcome. Our job is to get as close as possible to estimating the expected outcome on or the top of the bell curve. The questions, insights, ideas are designed to, to help us do just that. And this is where the year-over-year data matters a little less, where art meets science. You're relying on opinions and anecdotal or, or qualitative in- insight from clients, vendors, partners. And, and from that, from what you think, from what you learn, you can start to create options, probable scenarios, which you can review weekly. Or or as insight materially changes. I, I know everybody's looking at the three numbers I put out here: minus twenty-five, minus fifty, minus seventy-five. And I'm not a Debbie Downer, I'm not a glass half empty guy, but the glass is half empty right now. I I really think creating a minus seventy-five model for 30-day, 60-day period is is relevant. Minus 50 and then minus 25. I don't think we should create any plus 25s. Again, you're gonna have clients that certainly have that, but broadly speaking, I I think zero and down are the right place to create some of our models. All right, so to recap forecasting and, and future business planning, thinking, asking, that's how we get in front of not only client behavior, but also our own internal decisions. It's not about nailing the exact scenario. It's not about creating for being able to figure out the statistical formula that, that I have here, but it's about creating an environment inside of our building, inside of our brains, where we're open and aware to asking the right questions and receiving the right pieces of information. Again, don't sleep on your account teams. It's human nature to, when something is so important, so material to the business, to want to leap over your teams and either get involved or dilute their perspective and insert your own I'd say if your team's well-trained and asks the right questions, they'll get that insight to help you close the gaps. And then we bring it into the three teams, compliance, ops, financial, assembling the data points, providing feedback to help leaders make the best decisions. All right, the operational and sales considerations as we move through this. What's the cash situation look like? Cash is king. What about the pipeline? Marketing campaigns? Uh, more in the pipeline and, and marketing later and how to handle it, but but back to the cash real quick. You know, to the shops that do have cash, I urge you to consider how to use it. Not spend mindlessly, but to really you know sit down with your team and 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 think about how to deploy some of it now. Maybe it's better to keep the lights on and and that's it, full employment with no change. Review it every week or two. Maybe it's ironically enough a retention bonus. And I'm not making that as a blanket recommendation. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do in your individual situation, but. Just be aware that in any organization, when employees sense uncertainty, it's your best ones who will leave first. They have the most options. They're the highest in demand. And they're the ones who don't need to wait. They don't need to take a leap of faith on you. And I'm not trying to scare you know, business owners here, but you know especially on the sales side. And it sounds so counterintuitive right now. It sounds banana land. But our vision right now is 24, 48, 72 hours in front of us. And it has been for a week. When the smoke clears a bit, your staff's options may refocus. Pivoting to some nuts and bolts technical aspects of the ops team. Do you have a staff of operators? Are you have more heavily uh, fixed cost shop? Do you use a back-end a CRA within a CRA solution for criminal records or, or verifications fulfillment? Connect force through SGV for verifications or secure tech for criminal searches and or SCRA compliance, QA. Uh, those are more pay-as-you-go models. Are, are any of your products subscription-based? If they are, can you opt out? Maybe you fulfill it manually or still go through the same system, but pay a higher component rate per search? Again, different decisions for different shops. But these are the questions I'd be asking if I was, figuratively speaking, sitting next to you inside your business, creating these solutions. Okay. Out of the financial business piece, and I distinguish it from the operational business piece. One of the first things a company does, and I get it, I don't love it, but I get it, is to hang on to cash. But boy, I'm a big believer in the golden rule, and if not the karmic forces in the universe. You don't want your clients to do it to you. You're checking the mailbox every day. So are your vendors and your partners. If you can pay the the bill, I advise paying the bill. Your partners will remember it. And unfortunately, when volume drops, you'll save that cash soon enough. A creative solution of cash is tight, offer discounts to clients to pay faster, or ask for them from your partners, as they may be in the same boat as you. All right, compliance and IT considerations. It's not top of mind right now, but it will be soon. As your work environment changes, your data sources, schools and employers close, courts close sooner rather than later, You'll be, run, you'll be confronted with scenarios that may run afoul of either, one, your company standards, how you feel and have determined the right way to assemble a consumer report is, two, your client standards, either explicitly requested or disclosed to them on a statement of work, or three, your accreditation standards. I think common names is going to hit us in the face really quickly searches for an extra identifier that's only resolved by calling a court or getting a case file, but the court's closed indefinitely, what do you do? Close it as incomplete? Close it as no record? Report the record without a third identifier? I am not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice on what to do, but I can tell you with absolute certainty a shop will need to make a decision on those. Are you going remote? Are you buying laptops? Are you buying laptops with VPN access? Do you have them already? Are you rolling them out as part of your Company's contingency plan. There's there's too many to dive in, into individually right now, but those are the three criteria. I recommend filtering scenarios through your standards, your clients' either wishes or what you've disclosed or promised them, and your accreditation standard if you're accredited. I'm doing some of that planning and, and offering guidance on those examples with shops right now. There's no one size fits all decision on a lot of these, so it's really up to your individual choices. So remember, we're doing this, we're asking questions, we're creating the best plan for our shop. There will be surprises, so expect them. We just wanna narrow the range of wrong here. We're gonna be wrong, we just wanna be as little wrong as possible. Because the more we're wrong, the more we miss opportunities, which there are during this time, I promise. The more wrong we are, it's time, it's money, money, it's energy. Some team members may stay away from your office right now, if they haven't already. Are you handling that as unpaid leave, making them use their PTO? Different shops, different decisions. But again, handle it at the human level, not the corporate level. I know that's harder for larger shops. But if I'm afraid to be in your office and you make me come in, I'm not going to be super excited to stay. And I'm going to remember that when the recruiter comes in with a job offer down the road or I see an attractive job post someday. Or if I'm scared to come in, but I do and I'm sick. Now I've infected the entire team. That's going to be a heck of a lot worse for you than whatever forecasted benefit you saw from that universally applied corporate attendance policy. You know, it it reminds me of something. We've all filled out the RFPs and discussed our contingency plans. That's some variation of it. In an act of God, we roll the 18-wheeler into the parking lot with the secure data system and workstation, and we, we do it from there. But in reality, you know, the situation I always thought of, if a nuclear bomb hits a, hits near a CRA in Cleveland, but the employer is in Arizona, the Cleveland people are going to go be with their families for a little bit of time before they rush back to the trailer to do your background check in the parking lot. Now, that's an apples to oranges comparison, but it still applies. Some team members probably aren't choosing you right now. I just advise you not to come down too hard on them. So we're down to the final two themes here, how to sell during COVID-19. Tone really, really matters here. First off, I'd evaluate and perhaps dial down your marketing campaigns, especially if it's an automated pay-per-click or subscription service. It just is not gonna break through. Why? It isn't anyone's focus. Our buyers aren't looking at this right now. I mentioned earlier 95% of HR message board posts I see involved handling this on a real nuts and bolts HR level. I just looked at it five minutes before I started this. They're not strategy conversations. They're not 30,000 feet conversations, not next year's planning. It's this guy's coughing a lot and his coworker complained, what do I do? Ain't nobody Googling, how do I find a background check vendor right now? Second, it's a bit off-putting if you are army of salespeople's cold calling right now. Best argument I can make for it pitches something like, hey, can your current provider handle your 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 work right now? And, and I guess in a money-rules-all world, that, that's a convincing pitch. But if our goal is to strike the balance between selling and profiting, we get there by doing it with the heart of a servant, trying to create mutually beneficial relationships. I, I think you lose more than you win with that approach, and those losses will be remembered by those solicited employers down the road. You can use that servant approach with really warm leads, but that's probably as far as i push it. But you can really improve your business here. And here's where the optimism and energy and positivity that I usually bring when I speak, you know, what will come through. I honestly believe that. and I promise there are opportunities. There are just not opportunities right now to do as many background checks next week as you did last week. This is really a week-by-week thing. Use the client support tactics I mentioned before. Call them, engage them. But remember, on a human, not a business level, you'll you'll learn about the business by being human, I I promise. This is also the time to do all those things you wanted to but never could because you were running at full capacity and needed 10% more people than you had. That problem absolutely is gone right now. Let's test, audit, train our team. The biggest barrier to these next month, next year solutions was always yesterday's work that we have to do today. Again, that's gone. Use that time wisely. Are you up for accreditation or reaccreditation? Are you thinking about it? I work with a number of companies considering it or actively moving forward. Derek Hinton at crazoom.com. He offers a great program for CRAs doing that. And, and, and back the cash, You know, client behavior. They're going to make choices based on what affects them. So let's try and influence them. The example I used before of whether a client's shut down is because the project was canceled or if they're just delaying this while they set up their remote workforces. You know, that that batch of screens they needed to submit, it's now 12th on their to-do list. Offer them a temporary discount. Let's make it third on their list. Then they bring that cost reduction back into their house. All they did was do something they were going to do anyways in three weeks. It's a win for everybody, creative solutions like that. And the sky isn't falling for everybody. Amazon adding a hundred thousand plus gig employers. Yesterday's bartenders, today's DoorDasher. Now, even if you don't count Amazon or DoorDasher as your client, well, that matters less for you. But my point is, every staffing company, labor manufacturer, those with the same holes in the workforce you just had, their businesses may not have ground to a halt. They got needs, and some of them are your clients. You know, there's there's really no shortage of ideas to improve and build your business. Those ideas likely won't mean you get more orders today, tomorrow, next week. You you need to understand that. And as importantly, understand the ability to do that is is likely out of our control. But what can we do? Surveys are a fabulous opportunity and one of my favorite low-cost weapons to identify ways to run your business better and collect data point testimonials to infuse into your sales and marketing efforts, audits too. You know, and anyone, anytime someone asks me to create an audit program or or launch a client survey, I get super excited because I know just how powerful and low cost a tool they are. Business solutions and enhanced sales talking points, so many wins here. You know. I, the surveys can, how to do it can be its own webinar entirely. I, I won't go into too much more depth, but it, it reminds me of one of my, my favorite lines from The Godfather. One lawyer with a briefcase can steal more money than a hundred men with gums. Not a lawyer joke from me, uh, of course not. But but what I'm saying is there are some really, really seemingly little things that are super impactful that really propel your business forward without spending a ton of money. Surveys and audit programs, absolutely two of those ideas. So guys, it's gonna be okay, but it's not gonna be okay now. I don't know when it's gonna be okay again, but the items we covered today, how to talk to your team, how to talk to your clients and vendor partners, what to look for to create the next 30, 60, 90 days of business decisions, what to focus on, what to ignore. This is what puts us in the best possible position to react to a world that's changing by the hour. While we're doing that, We have the capacity to create a future that looks just a bit brighter when the smoke clears. While you're doing that, if you have questions, call me, text me, email me. I talk to a client at 1030 Sunday night. I'm around if you want to chat. My email and phone number are on the screen here. Thank you for being part of this. We'll get through it together and have a great day.